friends. Uh, welcome to uh, God's Eagle Ministries uh, YouTube channel. And this is uh, uh, Monday Albert, Ambassador Monday Albert. I'm here today with Comfort, my wife. Comfort, you want? Okay. And um, uh, today we bring you a presentation. If you notice before now, what we were uh, basically doing is, was that we were recording uh, the audio and then uh, putting the messages across. So we have over 120 or 130 pro, uh, recording that we've done on our channel, our Ghost Eagle channel. But this session, um, we just finished our 40-day fast uh, with my wife praying for the church and leadership. And then so we decided that our videos, uh, our channel will now carry a lot of discussion and so that uh, uh, our followers can also engage with us in our discussion. And so you're welcome to uh, make comments and ask questions as we go ahead. Uh, this is our first series in uh, discussing on how to uh, um, uh, uh, present the messages of the, of the kingdom. And uh, I just had to take something off the screen there. Okay, so um, uh, going forward, you're going to be seeing our phases as we talk and you're going to see a lot of um, engagement going on on the uh, platform and so that your questions can be answered, uh, areas that you need clarity uh, can be answered and you can put a face to the person who has been uh, sharing the gospel uh, with you and to make things even better, I've got my better half here, uh, Comfort, with, with me on, on this uh, presentation. Today we will be looking at focusing and um, but that is finding, focusing, and uh, deploying on divine uh, enlargement and productivity. That is find, focus, um, and deploy on divine uh, productivity and enlargement. Uh, uh, divine enlargement and productivity. So while we uh, you take it. when we finished our forty-day fast, the last. Uh, uh, recording that we've done already on this channel, you should see that the 40 day fast where with a concluding video uh, that we made in uh, April. Um, you know, from there, we began to go out to, to carry out this presentation. And because you're part of this channel, uh, we want to share this uh, presentation with you. And it's going to be very, very interact interactive between me and my wife. And she will be uh, saying a few things, and I'll be saying a few things, and, and so that we can all. Um, uh, have some uh, two perspectives to whatever it is that we, is being presented. And then you can also uh, put in your own perspective um, in the comments below. And then uh, by all means, share the channel uh, so that others can be blessed by it. And the focus this year for us is essentially to engage the seven spheres and seven realms. If you check down through the channels that we have in there, we have a lot of presentation that we've done on the issue of uh, engaging our communities, engaging our families, engaging our, uh, our state, engaging our nations and the nations of the world. And where we made a, a seven spheres and seven realms that we uh, looked at, and we're going to go through this uh, presentation and it will help you uh, to be able to be productive wherever God has placed you. And the classical example we have is uh, Joseph who was in, in a foreign land and he became instrumental to securing a whole uh, world from uh, farming. And exactly the same thing, God has called us to be the light and the salt of the earth. 
and to be instru instrument whatever it is that he has uh, placed us. And so you could preach a, a sermon with your own life without even talking about Jesus. And when people ask you why, you tell them it's Jesus. Okay, so there are various ways or means that we can engage and be the light and the salt where God has placed us. So this series is to equip you. Uh, this presentation and series of presentations I will be doing and talking together is to equip you uh, to be instrument in God's uh, uh, in God's house, in God's uh, in, in 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 God's world that He's created, because He sent us there to be this Lord, salt and the light. And Jesus told us that we should not hide our light under the bushel, but we should put it where everyone can see and glorify God for the good works that He sends us to those uh, spheres and realms uh, that He has placed us. And so. Um, before I go into the presentation, I would like uh, comfort to uh, just pray and commit this session into God's hands so that when they're done, uh, you hear a thousand times or more whatever it is that we're saying, and then it will kickstart you to be all that God has called you to be and do all that God has called you to do for his own glory and the blessing, your blessing, my blessing, and the blessing of the larger birth. So, comfort, please, can you pray for us? Mighty God, our Father, and I think we just want to say thank you for this time. Thank you, Lord, for the children all over. We will commit this session into your able hands, O oh Lord, we pray. As many as watch this, O oh Lord, that lives will be transformed. Amen. To the glory and honor of you. Amen. That we will, we will indeed be soft and light. Occupying to in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, without much uh, further ado, let's uh, get into the presentation. And so, uh, it's to find, uh, focus, and deploy on divine enlargement and productivity. That is, uh, find, focus, and deploy on divine uh, enlargement and productivity. We've done this presentation in several gatherings. Um, and the body of Christ, and we felt that this uh, channel, we need to have it and we put it in a way that people can be blessed by it and be an instrument of change and transformation, wherever God has uh, placed you. All right, so I'm uh, going to share the presentation slide here, and then I'll put it in last screen so that uh, we can all uh, see what is going on. Okay. So uh, it was a breakfast meeting we had with uh, King's Water uh, Garden uh, and uh, as a presentation on uh, the dawn of a new era, you know, the dawn of a new era, okay? Uh, that is, and the year of productivity and enlargement or the year of enlargement and productivity, uh, whatever form you want to take it. It's a breakfast meeting organized by uh, ministers of various uh, denominations coming together and getting equipped to go out and to be instrument in God's hands, whatever God places them. And so we're invited to do a presentation. And so in here, I'm going to go through that presentation. And uh, it's on uh, the dawn of a new era. That's the month of June. That's uh, so when this was done, this month that we're in right now, and the year of productivity and enlightenment. We did something similar also for another uh, youth uh, group um, over the internet. And um, that was also uh, quite exciting. And so uh, be attentive and take your pen and paper and begin to 
take lessons uh, from this. All right, find, focus, and deploy on divine productivity and enlargement. That is the key focus here. Find, focus, and deploy on divine productivity and enlargement. And so one of the first things we, we talked about, about uh, God's kind of uh, productivity or God's kind of um, 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 yeah, God's kind of productivity is the um, fact that we can, in terms of looking at God's perspective on how he sees uh, uh, productivity, uh, it's similar to saying uh, uh, going out in terms of enlargement to spread the word around the world. So we go out and spread the word of God around the world, like what evangelists do, telling them, hey, that God good news, there's great news. Jesus came and died uh, for your sin. Come and see, come and see, and repent thereby. And then when you come in, the productivity angle is where you begin to talk about discipleship, modeling after what Jesus is and, um, and what we are supposed to be. We are supposed to be uh, these Jesuses that are all over the place, in offices, in our uh, schools, in our homes, in our families, in our communities. We are supposed to be the small Jesuses that people need to see. Jesus has gone, has done his job and gone, but we have become his ambassadors uh, to go out and be instrument in his house. So, so when he says, go into the world, that is enlargement. He wants us to enlarge. And we can see that a lot of churches are being created, or are being set up all over the, the world. And in those churches, discipleship is going on. That is where productivity is. And our productivity is when we mirror the life of Christ, wherever God places us. So that's just an introduction there. So if we're not, when we're done with this presentation, if there's anything you've got, and this is it. When we talk about enlargement from God's perspective, it's when God tells us to go out and be uh, and uh, share the good news to the whole world, like an evangelist would do, uh, to in our offices, whatever we are, show by our own life what what, what God expects us to, what God expects us to be, uh, mirroring Him in that environment. And that now comes to uh, discipleship, where we now the people that are attracted to us are being also molded to follow after the example of Christ. All right, so let's go back uh, to the presentation again. All right. All right. All right, so the next um, thing we want to uh, look at So um, I'm trying to put out that screen again. So I think uh, what I'll do 
is go back in there and uh, take that uh, presentation. I'm trying to share the screen so that you can see me at the same time, uh, see what is going on on the screen. Okay. So the next scene we've looked at the intro, and then let's go now into um, focus scriptures. And in Luke chapter 8, verses 8 to 15, and Luke chapter 15, 1 to 31, and 2 Kings 5, 15 to 19. So let's look at Luke chapter, uh, uh, so Luke chapter uh, 8, 8 to 15. It says, but others fell on good ground, sprang up, and yielded a crop a hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Uh, here and then also, but that on the good ground are they which, in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. Okay, so and one of the lessons we learn from there is that enlargement and productivity requires patience. And so, when we look at Matthew 13 and then the enlargement as angle, we look at Matthew 13 23, it says, And the one on whom seed was sown on the good soil. Uh, this is the man who hears the word and understands it, and who indeed hears, uh, bears fruit, and brings forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. So our productivity levels are different. Some of us can produce thirty percent of whatever we've heard. We go and deploy it wherever God has placed us. Some of us will do sixty percent. Some of us will do eighty percent. Some of us will do hundred percent. Some of us will do two hundred percent. But Jesus is making us realize that our capacities and capabilities are different and it depends on wherever it is that God has placed us. And then if you look at Luke chapter 15, verses 7, 10, 31 to 32, and I read, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents and over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. So um, the key point to learn from here is that there could be enlargement, we could be building parishes all over the place, we could be going all over the world, and we are fruitless. There's no repentance. There are people who are not bringing anybody in. When people come in, they're not repenting. And so one of the area of productivity, qualification for productivity is repentance. When people repent, they are willing to take on new value systems that they will never take on if they were the same way you invited them. There are so many people in church today that do not model after Christ because they have not repented. And everywhere in scripture we see repent, repent. In the Old Testament, when God called people, he said repent. When he was in, uh, scolding Israel, he said, repent. When Jesus came, uh, when uh, John the Baptist, was it John the Baptist? John the Baptist came, he said, repent. Who else again talked about repentance apart from uh, the disciples when he sent them, he said in two by two, uh, when he sent them 12, when he sent them uh, uh, 70, he said, repent for the kingdom of God. Uh, it's, it's before you, it's near you, it's near your home, whatever it is, yeah. Then in the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents than over uh, 99 who never want to uh, repent, okay? So my son, uh, the father said, you are always with me, like the, uh, the story of the, uh, the prodigal son, uh, where he took a ran off and, and, and left it, took all the resources he needed, he, he wanted, and went and went to a far country and uh, destroyed and used everything on himself. And then when he got to himself, he came back, and the father still accepted him. And uh, 
in, in, in the same way, we tend to look at numbers that we're building branches all over. We're doing all kinds. We're thinking, okay, how many people have you brought to Christ? Even if it's one person you're able to bring to Christ that has repented and remains, that is major because the heavens rejoice when one sinner. It didn't say one one million uh, repent, but one one sinner. The more the merrier, but when one, that's how valuable the soul of a person is. He says, what shall it profit a man if he, gives the, if he gains the whole world and loses uh, his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange uh, for his uh, soul? And so soul, there's nothing on earth that can buy a single soul. And so when you go after somebody and you're telling them about God and all of that, and they don't repent, you don't give up, you keep going and keep going until one day God touches their heart and become all that God called them to be and to do. And the heavens rejoice one soul, when one soul. And there are so many churches where everybody's filled up there and they do not repent. And why am I talking about church? Because we are sent to pray for the church and leadership. So when we go into our 40-day fast, that's what we do, you know. And the story of Second Kings chapter 5, 15 to, uh, 15 to 19 uh, gives us a good picture. Before I do that, the heavens rejoice Heaven do not rejoice because we have one billion dollars sitting in the bank account. The heaven does not rejoice because we have so a thousand and one parishes all over the world. The heaven does not rejoice because we attend this church on Sunday or because we attend house fellowship. All those are for us. The heaven rejoice when a single soul is added to the kingdom, and it's important you you understand that. Uh, if you can uh, talk about the the uh, Naaman, the story of Naaman. Uh, in Second Kings chapter five, fifteen to nineteen, just to buttress this fact, uh, Naaman and uh, Elisha. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, Naaman um, got a young girl from Israel who was the um, maid to the wife, and Naaman was was a commander. He was a big man in the um, army of um, Syria, and he was close to the Syrian king, but he was a leper, despite all his achievements. So it was this little girl from Israel that mentioned that there was um, a prophet back in her country that if only her boss could meet the prophet who would be made well, which is evangel evangelism in a sense. Which is the enlargement angle that we're talking about. Yes. Because see, we were sticking from Israel and taking to a foreign country. And he saw there was a problem with his boss, with her boss, and mentioned about the fact that this can be done, this healing can take place. So was someone who could make the boss well back in her country. So, well, long and short of it, Neman comes to um, Israel to meet up with Elisha. Yes. Elisha doesn't even bother coming, to, coming out to see Neman, but tells him to go dip himself in the Jordan seven times. This offended um, Neiman's ego, and he was almost leaving. In fact, he compared them um, to Jordan, Dirty Jordan, to the other um, rivers, better rivers in, back in his own hometown. But the servants he came with told him that uh, basically they wouldn't take anything from him to just obey what the man of God had told him to do. So he went and dipped himself. The seventh deep, his baby, uh, his um, skin became as smooth and as soft as a baby's 
So before you go on there, I think I just wanted to expand something in that respect about dipping himself, not one time. One time he did, the skin did not clear up. Second time, it didn't clear up. Third time, it didn't clear up. Until the seventh time. And sometimes we just give up too quickly. You know, God is in the process of working out the miracles in our lives, and we're not, we're not persistent. We're not people who are, uh, who are, who will not give up. You know, we just give up easily. We saw Elisha also when he outran the chariot and he prayed seven times. The first time there was no cloud. Second time there was no cloud. Third time until the seventh time, and then the cloud. And that's. Uh, communicates the fact that we come to God and we want everything like that. Microwave. We want healing. Microwave. We want all this microwave. You know, and we see from Neman here that seven times, first he didn't even want to do it. And most of the things God tells us to do look so completely out of this world. They don't appeal to our senses, to the systems of the world, and so we don't do them. But in this particular case, we see here that Neman, uh, the man, the, the young man, did not the, the the officer didn't want to do it until compelled by his servant or uh, 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 what did they call it? No. Convinced. Convinced by his uh, whatever that if he told him to do something worse, wouldn't he do it? And then he now agreed, and that tells us the kind of mindset that people bring in when they come to God. They want to be who they are. They want to carry their bigness and their richness and whatever it is and the status that they have in their society to in come terms. on their own terms. They want things on their own terms. And God says, you have to do it on my own terms. All right, so we see that with Naaman here, that he had to do that. And he did that with patience, perseverance, for that to be able to happen. So that's a lesson for people that will be talking to or even for our own self that are already in the fold. But this is an outsider coming to Jesus, uh, coming for, for help. In the, in, uh, for, for, for deliverance from whatever it is that uh, the leprosy that he was carrying. Okay, go ahead with that, uh, the story from... Uh, um, yes, so after dipping seven times, he got healed and with that, his heart was filled with um, gratitude and he wanted to reward Elisha with um, things. Mm -hmm. So which, in Second Kings 5, 15 to 17, if you read that. Um, okay, Second Kings 5, 15 to 19 says and he returned to the man of god and here and all his aids and, and came and stood before him and he said indeed now i know that there is no god in all the earth except in israel now therefore please take a gift from your servant 16 but he said as the lord lives before whom i stand i'll receive nothing and he urged him to take it, but he refused. Okay, before you go on, Mommy, there, I just wanted to make a few comments here. And this has to do with a lot of things happening in the body of Christ today, where people come with their problems, they get the problem gets solved, and then we're now demanding money, sometimes even asking for money from them, or they come with um, with a heart to give, and we collect them. Not even asking God to find find out whether this this is like settled. Let me settle for whatever it is that has gone on. We collect this money and spend squander it on ourselves. And then the person, what tends to now happen is that the person out, out instead of giving appreciation to God, says, "Okay, I came, I was sick, just like hospital, and I paid, and they took care of me." And they don't give their heart to God. Mm -hmm. And when they are there, they don't give their heart. But let's check out what happened here when Elijah refused taking the gifts. What happened in verse seventeen? So Naaman said, then, if not, please let your servant be given two mule loads of earth, for your servant will no longer offer either burnt offering or sacrifice to other gods, but to the Lord. 18. 
Yet in this thing, may the Lord pardon your servant. When my master goes into the temple of Rimon to worship there, and he leans on my hand, and I bow in the temple of Rimon, when I bow down in the temple of Rimon, may the Lord please pardon your servant in this thing. Okay, thank you so much, uh, Comfort. And this is the point I was trying to make earlier about repentance. God is out for repentance. So they might collect gifts from people. And they will not repent. They will remain in the church. They will remain in the garden, whatever. But they don't repent. They are still carrying their way. But because Elijah refused collecting that gift, we see here that real repentance took place in Naaman. And that's what we learned here, that the heavens rejoice when one single sinner repents. He says, I tell you, that's in Luke chapter 15, verse 7, who says, I tell you that in the same way, this is Jesus speaking, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. The righteous people also do all kinds of rubbish, but when they come with this mightier than thou attitude, uh, what tends to happen then is that they don't repent. Here we are, this person came, he wanted to give a, like a, a bribe, so not a bribe, a reward for whatever it is that God has done. And Elijah, being sensitive to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, refused to take that, uh, that gift. And that's now prompted a response of the real repentance we're talking about, where now God is now bringing about death in Naaman, wherever he was going to the point where he was now apologizing and repenting in advance because his boss, not him, will force him to go and worship somewhere he wouldn't want to worship because now he now has a God. He asks for the sand on a mule to be able to take to his country so that he'll be worshiping the God of Israel there. And that is the perspective of productivity. Okay, the young man, where the girl in uh, in uh, Neiman's house made a broadcast of the message. That's evangelism, right? Then based on that, the man comes with his problem. And that's what brings most of us to Christ, our problems. And then in coming there, the, with the gift he brought, he was healed. The gift he brought was rejected, was not accepted because God did not allow Elijah to take that gift. And in the process, as a consequence of that, he says he was going to worship and repented and even repented in advance. So, the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I don't know if there's any perspective again from this story of, that we can share to our audience. Okay, so now, uh, and then he Elisha told Naaman to go in peace, so he departed from him uh, a short distance, and we know what happened afterward. He just read that, so focus, focus words here is fruit. Uh, we need to, uh, there has to be repentance, right? And then uh, that means that when people go out and repent and begin to live the life of Jesus. That's what we call fruitfulness. So we want to connect fruit and love, uh, uh, the world and discipleship, okay? And so if you look at the screen there, you will see fruitfulness. You see a tree that has fruit. So there's so many of us who are Christians, we don't have fruits. We don't have anything to show for whatever it is that God has called us uh, into the kingdom. Our lives don't bear fruit. Uh, the people we bring in, there's no fruit. People. And one of the crucial elements that I, we talked about, apart from our lives, is the souls that are brought into the kingdom. Is that get that clear, right? It's the souls that have been brought into the kingdom. That's one other fruit. It says that you you bear fruit and your fruit will remain. Means that we bring people out from outside, we 
call them the reclaimed, and they remain in the kingdom. And so many things are happening right now where people are losing their faith. They are departing and they're going. That is no fruitfulness. And we, we have so many green trees all over, branches all over, churches everywhere, but no fruitfulness. They are not impacting the community. They are not impacting anything. There's no fruitfulness and all of that. So God is looking out for fruitfulness. That's why the big tree that green leaves looks good, but there's no fruitfulness. Okay, and what did Jesus do? He cost of the, the fig tree. That no one was as a consequence of not being fruitful in the mighty name of Jesus mm -hmm. Christ. And so we see in the picture there where Jesus is the one leading, that is fruitfulness. So when people are following after the, the lifestyle and the and the life of Jesus, that is fruitfulness. That is fruitfulness. Yes, there's no more lying, yes, there's no more cheating, yes, there's no more all kinds of things. That comes with the with the terrain. That is the minimum requirement. But the maximum requirement is for us to live a life that models the life of love, right? And, and then we can now go on and disciple the nations to go after the pattern that Jesus lived, the life that Jesus lived. So we look at that from John 15, 1 to 17, fruit, love, and disciple, where Jesus talked uh, about hearing is my, it says that you cannot produce fruit except you are if you don't abide in the vine, you do not produce. It means that we have to be connected to Jesus. It didn't say connected to a man of God. It didn't say connected to a woman of God. It said connected to God. Some people fear their pastors more than God. <laughs> Some people will take what God told them and put it aside and take what their pastor said and run with it. That is wrong. Okay, so we need to abide in Christ. We need to be fused with Jesus. We need to be connected with Jesus. We need to model Jesus. We need to represent Jesus' love. So Jesus lived love everywhere he went. And we need to be disciples. So in, in John 15, verse 1 to 17, it says, Herein is my Father glorified that he bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. So a disciple bears fruit. A disciple does what? Bear fruit. What's that fruit? The fruit of love. And you see, if 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 at the end of day, at the end of age, if God comes and begins to weigh us, He's gonna not gonna weigh us because we have gold bars in our in our in our in our, in our votes. It's not going to uh, give us credibility because we 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 uh, what do they call it? We we build a lot of branches or we went to church every day. He's looking for acts of love in our lives. And it's going to weigh on that. And one of the basic minimum you know, act of love is to go and win souls, to bring people and say, come and see my life has been transformed. And some of us, three years we are Christians, we never brought one single soul to Jesus. That thing that makes heaven rejoice, we've never done it. We give tithes and offering, we do all of that. That's great. Nobody should stop you from doing that. But the critical element is to go out and be the love Jesus, or be the small Jesuses in your office, everywhere you go. Okay? So we are supposed to go out and be, produce fruits that remain. Then we are becoming his disciples. So verse 8 of John 15 says, Herein is my Father glorified that he bear much fruit, so shall your fruit uh, remain. So shall your fruit remain. You can see that there. So shall your fruit remain. Okay, so let's go to the next. This is my commandment. And so how do I tie fruit to love? It says, and if you look down to verse 12 of John 15, it says, this is my, this is my commandment, that you love one another 
as I have loved you. You see, so this is true. If we do, if we say we're Christian, we hate other Christians, so to speak. We are green trees. It's my commandment that you love one another because Jesus loved us. So if we don't love one another, and what does it, what kind of love is this? It's not people who do good things to you and do good things to them. No. People who do bad things to them, you love them. That's the God kind of love. Okay, and Jesus modeled that to us in John 3 16. We say, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You know, he didn't wait for us to become right before them, he didn't wait for that. And most of the time, we say, No, no, I will not, I will not do this for this person because he's a wicked person. But Jesus died for us, all of us wicked people, and we didn't pay for it. Why should we tell people? Before we can love them, they must meet certain requirements before we love them. Why do we have to say, okay, this person has to be in our support base because we, what's the word? Uh, we, uh, what's the word? That they, has to, they have to be part of us. If not, we cannot love them. Even when they are from other, uh, they belong from, from coming from other uh, backgrounds. Can you tell the story of one of the ladies that, uh, one of the families that uh, became Christians from the Muslim background, the experience they had just very shortly. Um, well, as long as they belong to a local assembly, they have support. Once they are no longer attending the same assembly, then and they move to other churches, maybe because of proximity or whatever. Yes, support um, drives drives up, and um, a. The woman in prison um, asked us the question. When we went on uh, the prison evangelism. Some some years some ago. Years. And she was also from a Muslim background. And she asked that why is it that um, Christians make that, why is it that there is no unity amongst um, Christians? That every time she went to church, Despite the fact that she had undergone the uh, particular denomination's discipleship uh, program, if she went to another denomination, she was subjected to go through um, that there as that. Why was there so much disunity in Christianity? Yes, so, so because there's no love. We don't have love for one another. Our love is conditional. That's the God, the earthly kind of love. I'll give you love if you do this and do that. And we've, we've become like the world. The church, the world has entered into the church. And the church has entered into the world, but not after the model of Christ. But Jesus, we see here in John 3, 16, God died for the world, not for Christians, only everybody. Okay, and it's typified that by the example, who is my disciple? It says, when you go out, um, uh, who are my disciples? Who is my disciple? Sorry, who are my? Who is my neighbor? The neighbor is borderless. It's not just the person beside us. It's not just a Christian. It could be any language. It could be any any uh, any person from any realm, from any uh, uh, religious background. Those are your neighbors, and they could be the disastrous situation. And because they have no, another faith to say no, we can't extend love to them. That is manipulation. That is not God at all. And so we see here, because we are seeing love and God has done the same thing for us by dying first, he says we should also go and do what? Make disciples of the nation. So he told his disciples, I have been given, uh, uh, I've, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. 
Therefore, go and make disciples. I'm reading uh, Matthew 28, 18 to 20 now. Go and make what? Disciples, disciples. Look at it there. In all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost and, uh, and uh, Holy, uh, Holy Spirit. And then teach them these new, new disciples to obey all my commands I have given you. And be sure of this, that I am with you always, even to the end of the world. So Jesus is with us, but he wants us to be him in our context. He wants us to be him in our communities. He wants us to be him everywhere. So who are we and what do we do? What are the benefits supporting scripture? So we are disciples that are supposed to bear fruits and if we don't bear fruits we are not disciples what is this through the fruit of love and what is this uh, discipleship following after jesus jesus displayed love when he came he did in terms and conditions and then we have now disciple nations that's what we were to do so who are we in matthew 5 13 to 16 jesus says you are we are the light and the salt you are the salt of the earth but if the salt have lost his savor wherewith shall it be salted it is thenceforth good for nothing but to be do what? To be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. He says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Let your light so shine before men. That is to see your good works. It is to let your light shine before Christians. It is to let your light shine before your family. It is to let your light shine before men, men, women, whatever where they come from. That they may see your what? Good works. Those are some of the fruits we are talking about. What kind of good work? The works of love. And glorify your Father who is in heaven. So glory goes back to God to heaven, right? So we talked about in um, in uh, was it uh, in Mark sixteen fifteen to twenty. We also see some level, another level of uh, uh, fruitfulness. It says, "He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be condemned." And he said, "These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils; they shall speak with new tongues." It goes on to say, "They shall." Uh, uh, what's the word? They shall, yeah, that they shall take up serpent and it will by no means hurt them. All right, so we go on uh, to uh, the uh, second, uh, what's this? Yeah, let's see that. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so then it goes on. So what are the benefits? So we've talked about the benefit, healing, deliverance, and whatever, but that's not the whole game. It's for people to return and repent and become uh, God's, uh, what's the word? God's children on earth, all right? Praise the Lord, somebody, all right? So let me let me just um, uh, put the screen uh, back up again. Uh, that's me again. Uh, so we put the, the full screen on my wife, uh, Comfort, and so we we put a, a big screen again and continue uh, to share uh, the presentation. So here we go. And then um, in uh, the DNA, what's the DNA? March 22, 37 to 39, the command that we were given. He said, Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt love thy Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all your soul, and with all thy mind. And this is the first and the great commandments. And then, and the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And so this is the DNA of the, of the kingdom. It's a command. That we should love God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and we should love our neighbor 
as ourselves. And we know the story of the neighbor. The neighbor is borderless. It's not just the one beside our house. It covers, it goes far and wide. All right? So it goes far and wide. It's not just about us. It's love your neighbor as yourself. So whatever you think you can, and then you remember we talked about the connection between fruit and love and works and all of that. This is it. Light and salt, that is it. Our good work. The world is in a desperate situation. Everywhere you see there's killing, hatred, bitterness and all of that but jesus made us a salt and a light so that when we go into that environment we begin to change and change the mindset the culture of the people where it says women have to be trampled upon or women are second fiddle and all of that we change that and give them the mindset the dna of the kingdom love god love others your neighbor can be your wife can be your children can be uh, the your the, another another uh, uh person with from another religious uh bearing uh background that doesn't have to do with christianity you love them with all your heart just as you do uh for yourself i don't know if there's anything you want to put in there uh comfort yeah so now now so we now look at how do we go about this where and how do we manifest the benefits where do we and we talk about the seven realms and seven spheres and four house strategies how to go about it so this presentation will show you how uh, we can uh, go about uh, uh, doing this okay so um, how we can go about so seven spheres and seven realms so the seven realms are self number one in self we can if we're not standing on solid ground how can we help other people if we don't love ourselves how can we love others it says love others as yourself that dna that we just read now in matthew 22 it says love others as a love god with all your heart love others as yourself don't love others more than yourself don't love others below yourself <laughs> i mean don't love others uh, less than yourself love others as yourself so that is self so self is key we don't ignore ourselves and just put ourselves out of the picture so the first realm we focus on is ourselves develop a deep sense of uh, self-love. Know that God loves me and accept that as a fact and manifest that in your life. And then the second is family. The closest people in our home is family. It's the bedrock of society is from the family. And so God enjoins us to uh, love our families, to manifest love in our families. Where do we deploy the benefits of this fruit and this thing we're talking about, the fruit and productivity and enlargement. We can expand as far as we can, and we don't love ourselves. We can expand as far as we don't love our families. We don't love our, our environment. So seven realms and seven cells. So the number two is a family. Number three is the neighborhood. And we said neighborhood is borderless. You might travel to Saudi Arabia today. Immediately you get landed there. Everybody around you becomes a neighbor okay uh and 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 then uh we, we states the states where we dwell in where the state where the the governmental locations where we are that's superintend that's exact location the church where we worship uh god expects us to manifest that there are needs in the church that we need to be clear of there are people who need love there are people who have lost their loved ones there are people who have been treated badly in their in their what's the word in the context wherever it is that god has put them there are people who have been wounded by neighbors wounded by society wounded by terrorists wounded by all kinds of things then we go to the nation the nations where god has placed us god expects us to manifest this fruitfulness in that location in terms of making disciples and modeling the 
the, the life of Christ in that environment. Number seven, nations of the earth. That is the seventh uh, realm that we're talking about. So we are supposed to manifest Jesus in seven realms, which is self, within ourselves, we love ourselves, our family, we love our family, we love the neighborhood, which is borderless, we love our state, where we're priests, location-wise, we love the church, where we're living, where we're operating in, we love the nation, uh, where we're placed, and the nations of the of the earth. Now let's look at the seven spheres. So we're gonna break down these seven realms into seven spheres, and first is government. Sometimes Christians are shy away from anything that has to do with government. God expects us to be in government. God expects us to take his fruit into government. God expects us to make a change in government. Daniel, for instance, was in government in, Medel, in, uh, in Babylon. Babylon. And look at how he differentiated himself. And every time he did something awesome, maybe interpreted dream or whatever, the whole nation began to worship God at that time. Nobody forces them to do anything. But we want everybody to be, start following Christians. Meanwhile, we are not the right salt. We are not the light, right light. We are not, our records are not right in whatever it is, government establishment that God has, has placed them. Can you tell the story of one of the ladies that we know in one of the government establishments that uh, was instrumental in, uh, I think, Monday or so? That story, do I need to call him? Monday, um, in Asura. In Asura. Okay, so so you, you tend to find that you go into government establishment and the people who act the worst of all are the ones, the ones they call themselves Christian. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes, um, I had a story of um, a woman that was a boss of... Let me just see. Yes. Yeah, go ahead. She was the boss to um, someone we know and um, a probably a deaconess title holder in her church, but um, she was just a very difficult woman to work with, you know, acting worse than an unbeliever. Okay, so and it was it was made life tough for everybody there, and it wasn't about. Uh, things that has to do with the kingdom. It's about the, something that will benefit her. I don't want to go into uh, <laughs> details about that so that uh, we don't uh, like as a start association. So let's let's just go into the presentation again. And uh, so we talk about government. We're talking about the seven spheres now. Government, economy, and business. God expects us to go into economy, like uh, um, uh, the story of uh, uh, Joseph, for instance. He was he was he was managing it like the economic minister or something like that uh, in the farming. I was able to manage the whole country through uh, seven years of lack, you know. And not one day he goes there to say, oh, uh, accept Jesus or worship uh, uh, the God of all the earth. But what he did made them begin to focus on God and realize that there's a God who lives and rules in the affairs of men. And God expects us to operate wherever we are at. And we have started in our ministry already engaging an advisory boards in companies. Uh, if you uh, checked our, our uh, LinkedIn page um, with, um, yeah, if you checked our LinkedIn page, we have uh, also uh, linked up with quite a number of companies internationally and advising them uh, when we go into prayer we advise them on whatever it is that god has uh, spoken to us and then also giving them counsel on how they can uh, proceed in with their businesses 
you know, and in our community, we set up a group also that allow us to engage uh, with people uh, in, in that in that uh, in this community. We identify the areas of need through prayer, and then we set up something that now brings the community together to do something about it. We don't go there telling them about Jesus. We just show the love of Christ, and then along the line, uh, they begin to see the impact uh, that Jesus came uh, to do, uh, essentially modeling after Jesus. And so let's look at the presentation, we'll return to the presentation again. And, um, and so where and how do we manifest the benefit? We look at all of that in self, family, neighborhood, state, church, uh, nations of the earth, and then the seven spheres. We look at government, economy, uh, in faith, spirituality, and belief. There are so many Christians who are discipling people in, in, the, in the faith context of wherever they are found. They, they're not, they don't go into church. They are inside the mosque and inside all these other places, and they are there bowing up but making disciples of all, of all nations. So God expects us to go in there and be all that he has called us to be and to do. In education, uh, there are several countries now that there's a lot of exam practices going on uh, across across the world, and we are plants in there. We can take up today and say, look, we, this has to stop, and we take that as a challenge that we take in prayer and begin to work towards uh, stopping anything that is abnormal in the educational system. Okay, so mommy, if you mm -hmm. want to speak a bit on that, yes, I'm talking of education as well. The curriculum is being altered to um, moving away from the things of God and the way God ordered things to be, you know, it's moving away from that direction to a different direction, which we're all um, yeah. aware of. So the fruitfulness now and the productivity have been productive, is being planted in educational system and making sure that those uh, curriculum don't fly. Yes, doing pointing them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Going back to the original design teaching, children about God and the way God created us to be. Thank you. Then uh, we looked at uh, families and others. It means that it's not just your own family now, but families that are surrounding you, there are families around that needs the cancer. Can you tell them about our neighbors, for instance? Just a little bit. Yeah. Um, well, we, by showing the love of um, Christ, we can influence uh, neighbors who are from another faith. Neighbors from other faith who are suspicious of our own belief. Through kindness and love, we can break down uh, barriers. those barriers. Mm -hmm. Yes, and make them lead them to um, eventual openness mm -hmm. towards. Uh, the gospel. So can you give an example? Okay. Okay. So for instance, if, if, if our neighbors find out their, their needs that they have, or some help that they, they need, we go ahead and, and do that. And if, if we are sensitive enough, we can be discerning to know exactly where the needs areas are and meet them. And sometimes they have come to talk to us and say, look, uh, with, uh, we, this your Christianity, we don't understand. You, you're different. You're living by the books, our own books that are written there. You're living by those books, you know, and stuff like that. Now, media, radio, TV, and internet. 
Um, also on the internet, on our website, we reach over 20, 25,000 people who visit our sites with over 1 million, uh, sorry, 2 million contents. And they are using that uh, content to, to study, like what we're producing now is going to end up on our website. And, and people will go through that and be able to use those in, on their platform. So we can use radio, TV, internet to reach people. This is our mission field. This is where we need to manifest the love of Christ. There are so many places where you go to certain online uh, platforms and they'll tell you to pay or do all of that before they can give you access. Or they have a YouTube channel. They tell you you can't watch anything until you, you make certain payments or you can't have access to certain things until you make all of that comment. It is not sure we're trying to exchange love for a reward, you know, and that could pull back a lot of people that we need to reach that we can reach. So we made all our content, the 2 million plus of them, make them all available. Of course, we put uh, links there for people who want to uh, be part of what we're doing uh, out of a sincere heart, of a heart of love, to reach out to people. And we also encourage you to do the same uh, in supporting exactly what we're doing so that we can reach more people all across uh, the world. All right, so celebration, arts and culture. Um, uh, in celebration, arts and culture, let me go back to the screen again. I think I lost uh, that screen. Arts and culture. Um, yeah, let's take that. Let's start the presentation. Reconnect again. Uh, okay, tab. Go. Yes. So we looked at arts, uh, celebration, arts, entertainment, uh, culture, sports. You know, sports. Um, how do you do that? In celebration and art, you could write a music. You could write a song uh, that has all the values of love and of God, but doesn't mention anything about Jesus. And it sounds so great, and people will listen to them and be drawn to them. There are so many songs that are damaging to people's soul. They're damaging to their spirit that is being produced, churned out from... Uh, all across the world. There are movies that we can produce that has a lot to do with touching uh, on the ills of our society that will project into the future to see what damage this will do to society and put it out there. And then people watch them and then we begin to, we become, to become what we watch, become what we listen to, you know. So we're not restricted to just creating Christian content, so to speak, focusing on just Christians. We should also create music, we should also uh, write songs, we should also get into entertainment industry without allowing us. We are part of the world, but we are not of the world. Jesus, if Jesus wanted us not to connect with the world, he's taking us up, but he wants us to draw, to find the lost sheep back in. And if it's through entertainment, we do that, that's it. And if people, there's a lot of people who want to uh, uh, model after artists, for instance. You know, uh, somebody will say, my hero is this, my hero is that. So get your music out. If you're a Christian and you, somebody selects you as a hero without knowing you're a Christian, they look at your life and that changes their own. And one day you tell them, you do all of this out of Jesus and be shocked. All of them will give their life to Christ. So we can, we can really, really change situations, circumstances and become productive. Uh, in enlargement, in enlarged scenario, in reaching to the four corners of the earth through government, uh, the spheres, government, economy, uh, business, faith, spirituality and faith, education, families, media, radio, TV, celebration, arts, entertainment and culture and make a difference and manifest the glory and the love of God in those uh, contexts. So for how do we deploy, how to 
uh, how do we deploy the benefits? How do I think it's a How do we deploy the benefit? First and foremost, we deploy the benefit physically. Uh, somebody might be sick, comes to you and you, just like we learned in, in Mark 16, verse 16 all the way to 21, says, go and heal, go and do that. Jesus gave us instruction on what we should do, raise the dead and all of that. That's another way we can do that physically. We can change our environment. We shall clean up our neighborhood. We can uh, meet in all the physical needs that people have. Some people might need to use um, the, uh, what do they call it, this um, uh, trolley, so whatever it is, the, Will no no wheelbarrow the one they used to carry people uh, um, the people who can can walk um, the wheel the wheel um, wheelchair wheelchair yes you can help people push the wheelchair move them to the path or do something which is a physical connection you don't need to go and tell them if you're not just if you're not a Christian I can't do it we can do that to anybody from any whatever and show the love of Christ in the process they, they have to be open to us and we can begin to share exactly what's going on uh, to them so physically number one physically then socially we can begin to congratulate people and wish them birthdays greetings and all of that uh, social gatherings uh, visitations listening to life stories and sharing our own stories socially just getting to know people and getting to know your neighbor getting to know hey how are you and whatever and in the process you go to find out what and what are the need areas that you can connect with them on a love level that you can now begin to use that to minister Christ to them. So, so with number two is socially, number three is by wisdom, solve problems. Some countries are having in a, are in a, an economic mess, mega mess. God can send you there and you solve the problem like Daniel, Joseph and Daniel, Joseph and Daniel in economy, in government, in community, and people worship that at that instant, that problem is, is solved. And then number four is uh, spirituality and uh, sharing the word and making disciples because whatever garden whatever structure whatever uh, non-profit we set up that doesn't have this four component uh, physically physically uh, providing a physical contact it might have that it might have the social contact it might have the aspect of wisdom and lose spirituality then that means the god factor is taken out of that relationship and then we now look at um uh, 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 category, uh, characterization of fruitfulness or productivity and enlightenment in the spheres and the realms of influence. What's uh, how can we do this? We use we use perfect seed project. We identify a project that we can carry out that takes that into consideration. And then there are ten characteristics of those seed projects or the love actions. Call them love actions that has been done over thirty seven years of monitoring and evaluation that has given one uh, some credibility to what kind of project can we get involved in that will show the love of Christ and still get them connected to Christ so that the aspect of discipleship is taken care of, the actual fruitfulness and love and all of that is taken care of. So the first thing, there are 10 of them, the first one is God's intention. So we go into a community and we begin to pray and ask the God, what do you want to do in this community? We find that out. So one characteristic is that they mu you must know what God wants to do in the life of the person you are witnessing to, or the lives of the community, or the state, or the nation, or the nations of the earth, where, or in the government sector that God has put you, or in the school, you need to pray to find out. You don't see a problem and just jump into it. You need to find out God's intention. We call it GI, God's intention for that. And then number two 
continuous prayer. We need to start with prayer, finding out God's intention, continue to pray through whatever God has spoken and to the point of deployment. And long after the project has been completed, we keep that because discipleship is lifelong. As long as people are living, they are living, modeling after Christ, isn't it? Okay, so we continuous prayer, CP, we call it CP, continuous prayer. There's a need, that's why another number two characteristic is that there must be continuous prayer going on. That gives you the signature of God on that project. Number three, simple size. Don't go and take something that's beyond you. Just take something small. It could be just clearing out the grass. It could just be ministering to the drunkards in your area. If God tells you that's where the area is, start with one person or two persons and expand. It could be in your government is corruption. You can start with your own department and addressing the issue of corruption, beginning to pray and asking God for wisdom on how to deploy, how you can physically connect with them, how you can connect with them socially, how you can connect with them with wisdom, bringing wisdom of God into a scenario that has perverted this culture that needs to change, and then using spiritual angle to begin to make people make decisions for Christ as willingly. So the project has to be simple. Don't take something beyond you, all right? Planning key, because God can say, okay, I want you to minister to all the drunkards in this whole environment. You don't go and say, okay, all the drunkards gather, start with one, start with two, and keep going there. So it's a simple size. Says, and then planning is key. When you we go speak, we don't just jump and go. We sit down and put all the pen and paper and put all the dotted lines, dot the I's and cross out the T's and blah, 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 and all of that. What comes next? What comes next? What comes next? So that you have a, a step-by-step plan that will roll out in that plan. And then number five is local resources. Most of the time we want to, we are immobilized because uh, we are looking for people to send money to us from overseas to be able to, uh, uh, do something for the local community. But God expects us to use the resources that are available within the community. You'll be shocked. Most people think there's no resource. If people are able to walk and identify what the resource, resource could be your time. Resource could be um, just simple contribution. Could be something. Could be something that could be used in the community to address this kind of need. So use local resources. Don't go and ask for people from overseas to do that for you. Number six, don't manipulate people. Don't say, eh, "I will do this project if you become a Christian." No, that is not the way of Christ. God supplies us light without asking for money back. God gives us oxygen. God allows the rain uh, to fall of us without asking for, for money. God sent Jesus to come and die. He didn't ask for money. So why should we be asking people, you have to be this. If not, I won't do this. Why should we put so much condition? And so projects that have conditions attached don't last. You see, so don't manipulate people by telling them until you do this, you can't be that. Then number seven is target non-Christians. Target non because Christians already, real Christians already know the love of Christ. But there are a lot of people in church who are not Christians. So we need to identify them and see them as non-Christians. And then we address them as non-Christians and minister to them as non-Christians. All right, so target non-Christian uh, Christians. And don't go and project and say, you are, they are Christians here, yeah, I want to do this project to meet their need. It's okay to do that. They already understand the love of God. But if it's a seed project to show the love of Christ, they already know the love of Christ if they are thought well. That is TM. Then number eight, beneficiaries participate. Beneficiaries participate. Don't want to do a project and not involve the community. Let them participate. Let them, let them, let them, don't allow them to be looking and seeing what you're doing and leave them out. So most of these uh, uh, colonial masters that came, most of them did most of the work. And when they left, our people could not do anything. We've seen the impact in India, in Nigeria, in, in uh, Africa, in the whole of Africa, and so many other nations of the world, Latin America. They are left without capacity 
They don't know how to do anything. The white guys came and built and left and allow people to do it. So we must get them involved. If we are building foundation, let them be part of the people building and drenching and using shovels and, and whatever it is that is required. If we are trying to rip out corruption from our department, get everybody involved in it. Don't be the one, the only savior of the world trying to change things, all right? And then number nine is for, uh, the four windows. We must have the four windows in there. Which are the four windows? The, the strategy. We must have a physical contact. We'll have the spiritual where there's uh, people giving their life and the God fast-flowing with. There's wisdom of God coming in there. And then there's social interaction that's also going in there. And then number 10, the, the greatest one is God's glory. Everything we're doing is all about God's glory. If you read, uh, what's the uh, Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, it says that we were created to bring him glory. So this project must bring God glory. If somebody is saying, ah, we thank God for uh, God's ego ministry that did that. No, 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 we thank God for God for sending this man to us or sending this woman to us. We should not get to the position where we are taking God's glory. Mommy, I don't know if there's anything you can say about taking God's glory about this issue. Of well, everything that, that is done ultimately should glorify God. Um, we shouldn't deify man, but God alone should take his place and yes. be glorified. Yes. All eyes and all hearts should Go to God, not to us. We direct, if people start praising us, we direct the praise to God, direct immediately. Thank God. If they are thanking us, oh, thank God for sending us. Thank God. So that glory uh, goes to God. And so this presentation we brought to the end is from the end, soar as the eagle into divine productivity and enlargement in the sphere God has planted you in Jesus' name. So uh, God's eagle ministries, where we are seeding the nation with God's word and God is transforming lives through his timeless truth. One content at a time. This is one content at a time, like what we have here. Evangelism, discipleship, counseling, healing, deliverance, restoration, and prayer without walls, borders, and denominations. So you can, uh, and then some of the information that we got came from the School of Disciple, uh, Discipling Nations and um, and God's ego ministry, discipling nations, and um, the Koram Dio yes. uh, school. Yes. Koram Dio school DNA's discipleship uh, material. Mm -hmm. So if you if you Google, Google it, you go Koram Dio, the school of uh, disciple making nations. You get all the information you need. Uh, you can do Koram Dio. That is uh, C O R A M D O dot com, and then sign up to. Um, uh, the the course. So this brings us uh, to the end of our presentation. So um, uh, I don't know if you if you want to uh, pray for us, comfort, and then commit all the hearers that uh, this word will bring the fruitfulness, and then they will deploy it in their context as we have prayed. So we have prayed that they would they will go, they will focus, they will find focus and deploy on divine productivity and enlargement where God has placed them. So if you can just uh, share that light and then we we'll bring this uh, to the close. Right. Yes. Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for bringing us to the end of this. Uh, we pray, Lord, that as we move on in our walk with you, that you'll find your purpose mm. of placing us here and that. Mm. Focus on it. Mm. 
and be productive mm -hmm. in your kingdom. Because mm -hmm. you want productivity. Help us, Lord, to be productive. Mm -hmm. We will not come before you empty handed at the end in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for granting us sense of direction for those that do not know what you've called them to do and to be. Lord, as they seek your face, we ask that you direct them. And as they find it, that we will focus on it and put in all their might into it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So have a great week um, uh, in, in the Lord, and uh, may you go and prosper and May God's favor rest upon you. May the Lord bless you. So let us pray. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his countenance to shine upon you and give you peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. May he cause the line to fall for you in pleasant places Amen. in the mighty name of Jesus Amen. Christ. Wherever your name is called, may favor and compass around about you this week, this month, this year, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. They call over your life. You walk out, you fulfill it not by power nor by might but by the spirit of the living god in the name of jesus christ amen. go and shine for your light has come the glory of the lord is risen upon you darkness cover the deep darkness cover the people but the lord has risen upon you and his glory rests mightily upon you in jesus mighty name we pray amen. have a blessed week from us have a blessed week take care god bless bye-bye friends uh, welcome to god's eagle ministries my name is ambassador monday oral joe over and at god's eagle ministries we are seeding the nations with god's word and god is transforming lives through his sandals through one content at a time uh, this time around we want to look at how best uh, to deploy the um, the message of the kingdom in our context in our in our in our selves in our families in our uh, communities, in our neighborhood, in our states, in our nation and the nations of the world. And today we bring you two stories on perfect discipleship uh, from Kampala and, um, uh, and also from Phoenix, Arizona. You see, uh, the theme of perfect discipleship, cultural transformation, and it's taken from Romans chapter 12, uh, verses one to two, where it urges us, Paul urges us to be transformed by the renewal of our minds. And so this morning I bring you Discipleship Requires Discipline, two stories from Kampala, Uganda, and uh, Phoenix, Arizona, USA. Friends, welcome to the month of June again. Uh, in this series, Perfect uh, Discipleship, we will be looking at true life stories of what is walking around the world so that you and I can deploy uh, ideas in our local context. Enjoy the stories and by all means possible, share, adapt, and apply where necessary. You'll find workbook for seed projects for your community on, uh, on our website as we uh, present this. So the first story comes from uh, Watoto, a church in an African uh, community in Kapala, Uganda. Now, I'm taking, it, taking this story in one person. I want to tell you a story uh, in this story is a story of a small group that multiplied four times in two years. Almost all of the new people in that small group were new believers. The story is from Africa, and here's the story. In a church called the Watutu Church, a large church, 
they heard this message, then they decided to form uh, small groups. Uh, what's the message? Message of the kingdom and how to multiply uh, disciples. So in those small groups, uh, they gave them an assignment. Uh, the primary assignment was that everybody in that small group should go out during the week and find somebody new who they could do something for. Okay, not necessarily solve that person's problem, but basically address the problem. That was their DNA. Yes, the Bible study uh, group, it was the Bible study group, so they had fellowship, which usually was popcorn and punch because it was a very uh, poor community. It was basically a Muslim community. This group was started by a couple of women from this particular church. One of the satellite churches of this Watertree church, uh, they began meeting. Every week they had that one assignment. Go out into the community and find somebody that has a need that you can address. Not a need that you can solve, but you can do something about it. They went out. Within a period of time, within a period of time, that group of two women grew to about 15. It kept growing, so they divided and they had two groups. In a, 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 within two years, that group of 15 had divided four times. And there were close to 15 new group members. Almost all of them had come to Christ because they had been met by a member of that group who saw them in need and came to them and said, can I pray for you? One night, I will, were with that group and the pastor asked him, tell our visitors your story. Went around the room about 12, 15 people I don't remember exactly the number, but I distinctly remember the stories I want to tell you, uh, three of those stories. First one is a, uh, a young man, and he stood up and said, I'm a refugee from Congo. I don't know if my family is alive. I got into the university, and I didn't have much money, but enough to enroll. But my mother ran, uh, my money ran out. I had nothing for food, nothing for rent. And I was seriously contemplating taking my life. And we all have that kind of scenario, play out in our life when we don't have the desire to leave anything. It was a temporary setback. Now, can you see that, uh, see that woman over there? She's solving. She, I didn't know her. She didn't know me. But she came to me and she said, I can see your trouble. Would you care to tell me your story? This was a complete stranger. Why in the world do I do that? Hey, I'm going to commit suicide. Why don't just I just wait and tell her my story? We told her story. And she said, Can I pray for you? And I sure why not? I wasn't a Christian, but I thought it's not going to hurt or anything. So she prayed for me. Then she said, You know, I belong to a small group that meets on Wednesday night. Would you uh, like to uh, pray uh, together as a group for people like you? We like to pray together uh, as a group for people like you. Would you mind coming to our group and telling your story and then allowing us to pray for you? So I came. I'm surprised myself, but I came. And you know, they had their popcorn and punch and did a little study from the Bible. And then my friend that I had invited, that invited me, uh, tell your story, I did. And, and they gathered around me and they laid hands on me and they prayed for me. That was nice. But then uh, they did something that completely blew my mind. I don't know if that's expression to use, but that's what he was saying. He said, they said, how much uh, do we have? 
And they all entered their wallets and purses on the table in the middle of the room. And they looked at me and said, will this help? I was shocked. These are complete strangers. And they emptied their wallets and they said, will this help you? Of course, it would, it would help you. I've never seen such love. I became a follower of Jesus. And do you know what I do during the week? I go around looking for people that can be in trouble. And I go up to them and, and I say, I know you know, uh, you don't know me, but I can tell something is troubling. Would you like to share what is, uh, it is with me? Uh, it is uh, what, it, what it is with me. And would you allow me to pray for you? And then I say, you know what? I belong to a group that needs someone saying, would you be willing to come? They like to, they love to pray for you. Next person was a woman with a little five-year-old boy. Uh, she said, see my boy? Yeah, of course, he was very sick. I took him to the local clinic and he said, unless he gets medical treatment, uh, uh, he's going to be blind the rest of his life. If he leaves, I was really troubled. See that lady over there? She's my neighbor. When she heard about that, she came to my house and said, I heard about your dog. Can I pray for you? Can I pray for him? I said, sure, because I didn't have the money to go to buy the medicine that my boy needed. She prayed, and then she said, tomorrow night, I belong uh, I belong to a small group, and we'll meet with you with my coming and sharing your story with my group, and allow us to pray for you and your boy. So I came, I didn't know any of them except my neighbor, but I came, and I told my story, and after they prayed for me, they said, I wonder what they could do for this. Uh, they asked me, how much do you need? And I told them, I wonder what they could do to help find those resources. And you know what they did. They all decided, every one of them, to go back to their homes. And the next day, to talk to their neighbors about the money And the money that they needed, an actual contribution from all of their neighbors. Within 24 hours, I had enough money to take my boys to come and get a mess in the Look at him, you can see the next one wearing a red dress, holding a Bible in an arm, an evangelist. And he said, This is my story. I was in bed ready to die for me. I'd gone to the bathroom in my bed place. My house smells terrible. And that lady over there heard about me. She came to my house. I just wanted to die. And she came inside and said, Please, please, don't try to help me. Just go away. I want to die. Is that funny? I can't do that. We are still alive. And then she proceeded to fix a meal for me. And then she brought her friends the next day and this group and said, uh, Please, I want to die. Just let me alone. And she said, We can't do that. We are still alive. And so these friends, they cleaned my house, they took my soil, bed clothes, and washed them. Uh, they watched me and then they divided up on me such. So the different person will bring me everything. The only food I had was meat and grass soup. My daughter would go out and pick leaves and wings and bring them home and boil them. And that's the only thing we had uh, to eat. I was seeking antiviral drugs, but they don't do any good because of no nutrition. But with the food that these people brought to me, I began to get better. Look at me. I still have AIDS, but I'm well enough now to sell vegetables that I buy and make it door to door. And you know what I do? As I go door to door, when I see somebody trotting, 
I said, would you like to share with me what the program is so I can pray for you? Now we invite them to come here. And if they come, they listen, they pray. That group has started out with a couple of women in four years, in two years, two, four times. Almost all of them were new believers. Wow. They were good news. Does God have good news for the present? You bet it does. We're supposed to be the good news. By the way we live, the way we address, and we care for one another. Assignment. What I would like you to do is to use two or three practical ideas that your church or you will implement in any area of your physical needs, social needs, wisdom needs, or spiritual needs in community to be good news to the people with whom you interact. Let's look at the second story about Bob and Don with the Kent from Alone. We first move to Phoenix, another neighbor. His name is Don. It's his real name. And Don was really dysfunctional. He was an alcoholic. He was unemployed. He was in trouble with the government for bad taxes and he was very depressed. And they lived in his house. He's lived in his house with these his cottons drink. Once in a while, I'll see him and talk to him and find out very quickly he didn't want to talk about them. So I didn't. But there was something about Don that really bothered me. It should, it shouldn't have, but it didn't. And that was the fact that his front lawn was really messy. And I'm one of these people who love to spend time on Saturdays in my yard. I love flowers. I love trimming. I love cutting the grass. I'm the kind of guy that likes to see the line, lines of the lawn after I finish, all in straight parallel lines. But I just love doing that. On Saturdays, I tell Judy, honey, I'm going to be hiding And so I go under the garden and I tend the garden. And so one day, I was out fixing my lawn, doing all the things that I love to do with flowers, training, cutting the grass, uh, watering, and cleaning to God about Don's yard, which was full of trash, bottles, cans, islands. It was a mess. It was embarrassing to me. It wasn't that I cared that much about doing, I just cared about the appearance we see next to me. And I felt this nagging voice of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't mean now, but that's how I took it. And the Holy Spirit said, well, Bob, if you don't like it, you clean it up. Well, I didn't want to hear that. And I was about to go in. And I heard the Spirit of God say, but you're not done yet. Clean this here. Okay, I didn't listen. I just went. I spent several hours pulling out weeds and collecting trash and edging and, and went in sort of helping. The next week I was out in my yard and feeling pretty good about myself. In fact, I cleaned Dan's yard last week. And I was about to go in and I felt this very safe to me, you're not finished. I said, yes, I am. And so he said, no, you're not. We haven't done Dan's yet. I said, I did, it. I did it last week. No, you do it this way. So I went out and did uh, don't yet. Well, you know, once in a while, this kept on going. This really didn't let me off the hook, and every once in a while, Don would come out, he'd been looking at what I was doing to his cottons, and I knew that. But he came out and he talked about the weather and politics and things of that nature, and hardly ever mentioned the land. He'd say, You're testing, you want something to do? I say, Sure. 
So it brings out a talk of some water on the top. Yeah, this went on for uh, more than a year and a half. And I just stopped complaining. I just knew this is what God wanted me to do. One night, there was a knock on the door. And it was done. And he said, can I talk to you? I said, sure, don't come in. And he said, but I've been watching you for almost two years. Why are you cleaning my yard? I didn't say, I didn't want to do it down. But I said, it was because God told me that she did it. He said, what? I said, yes, I was really prosperous. Impressed on my mind that I was to go clean your yard and then he wouldn't let me alone. He kept asking me to the point that it just became something that I do. And then he said, Would we talk? And I said, Sure. But he came to me on a weekly basis. We'd go out for coffee and he poured out his heart. And I found out how broken he was. And I found out that he'd really been wounded by religious people in the past. And he was very angry. Religious people, when he came to Christ, and he began to put his life back together. About a year ago, and this was quite some time ago, he invited Judy and I to come over with him and his wife. And at the end of the dinner, he said, Bob, I want to tell you that you're cutting my yard and cleaning my yard it was the beginning of a change in my life. He said, I'm no longer an alcoholic, I'm employed. I've resolved with the issue with the IRS, with the government and taxes. I'm a leader in my church. And it's all because you were serving me. He said, would you like to know what I do on the weekend? I said, yes, I would. What do you do? He said, I clean my neighbors here. You know, when we are obedient to what the Holy Spirit calls us to do in terms of serving others, this is what God does. He does far more than we can think or imagine. And it must reflect the glorious image of our great God. Assignment for you. As a great, I want you to ask the question. If you see certain as one of the spiritual disciplines where we do place it in terms of priority, you know, that's spiritual discipline, Bible reading, prayer, sight, writing, etc. Where would you place that in terms of priority? And so that brings us uh, to the end of our presentation today. And I'm praying that you go out and be the light and the salt that Jesus so much talked about uh, in the scriptures. You have the story of how Jesus went from uh, city to city, uh, town to town, villages to villages, doing good works. And he says he wants to be the head of the, the, this first of all, has to be the last of all, and the servant of all. Who are you serving this week? What are you going to be doing this week? As we begin this week, may the Holy Spirit lead you and direct you to somebody that you can serve selflessly and make a difference in that person's life. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his countenance to shine upon you brightly and give you peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. May he cause the lines to fall for you in pleasant places this week. And the enlightenment of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Have a, a great week and a great month in him. In Jesus' name, amen. Bye-bye until next week when we present to you another story for another time. And we'll also be taking on some prayer points that we will uh, go through here, prayer that will help you to remember the skills of prayer. It says that prayer is uh, uh, it's, it's what keeps the Christians going. Prayer is what has kept all of us going. And we're going to be doing a series on teaching 
and press and we'll be taking prayer from different dimensions different topics and see how we roll out and unfold those prayer points so that you can apply uh, in your own heaven your own context they see their scriptural basis for prayer their prayers of god and their ways to pray that elicit divine response i pray that you will be attentive to those training and also we need to intertwine these with stories uh from the mission field of life thank you and take care and god bless you Amen. Amen.